If I were able to speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I were to have the gift of prophecy and able to fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I had a faith that could remove mountains, even if I gave all I possessed to the poor and even surrendered my body to the flames as a sacrifice, and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a noisy clanging cymbal. In fact, I gain nothing. I am nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, and love keeps no record of being wronged. Love is not glad about injustice, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we only know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. For now we see only a mirrored reflection, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. And now these three, these five remain. Faith, hope, joy, peace, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love. We all want it. We all want to give it. But what is it? Is it a warm, fuzzy feeling? There is a song that says, Love is not a feeling, but an act of the will. A couple of weeks ago, we passed through the state of Missouri. That state is known, its motto is the show me state. I guess I'm from Missouri because you have to show me. I need examples. What is love? We need examples. We want to see it in action. Paul told the church at Corinth, Follow me, or imitate me as I follow and imitate Christ. Jesus said in John 13, 34, I am giving you a new command. Love one another. How? He says, just as I have loved you. Follow my example. It's interesting, Jesus spent three years with his disciples First of all, convincing them, showing them that He was Emmanuel, God with us. 
and being a living example to them how they and later we are to live, yes, but how we are to love as he loved. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10 says, By this the love of God is revealed in us, that God has sent his one and only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We can say that his act of becoming the atoning sacrifice was taking God's wrath upon him that was ours to receive. And he owned it as his own. He became sin for us. But John doesn't stop there. He says, dear friends, if God so loved us in this way, then we also ought to love one another. So what is love? What does it look like? Well, we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 what it is and what it isn't. But we want, we need practical examples. Some say, well, you show it with diamonds. Some say, you show it with flowers. My all-time favorite is, some say, show it with chocolate. I suppose those are ways we can show it. I remember last week, all of you remember Pastor Jim, he drove home the point. What was the point of his message last week? It was one word. Harmony. Good. And he gave us this illustration, a three-legged stool. And he had the three Sundays of Advent as the first three Sundays of the legs of the stool. And then he had love as the seat. I changed that a little bit. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read of faith. Faith is what everything rests on. It's the bedrock of all the others. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Paul says the greatest of these is love. I noticed last week when Jim stressed the word harmony, and he had harmony up at the very top, he didn't use the word unity. That was a good call, Jim. Unity is an overworked, overused word. It's become a cliche, I guess we could say. Unity simply means joined as a whole. And there's good reason to, to use the word unity, but I think harmony, as he described it, is much better. It's interesting. We sing at times, we sing in unison. We sing in unity. And it's nice to hear that. We're all singing the same notes. Of course, there's variation in voices, but the same notes. So there's unity. There's sameness, which many times unity is defined as just sameness. But with harmony, 
something incredible happens. You have four or more different parts, different notes, different voices. But they all mesh. They all blend in a way that just, it lifts you. Our physical body is a harmony. A blending of completely different parts. But together there's a beauty that is not attained any other way. God is a God of harmony. If we just look around us, the blending of diversity, of diversity in colors, in gifts, in personalities, and it all displays the love of the Creator. If the Father through Jesus, God with us, is our greatest and really our only example of what true love is and what love does, then we just need to, in our case, to just read how He displayed and practiced love. How He lavished His love upon us, upon those who were in front of Him as He walked this earth. And then is how he commands us to go and do likewise. So with that thought in mind, I ask you a question. And this is personal. It kind of hurts. Did Jesus have a man cave? I don't think so. As we read through the Gospels, we find that Jesus was never alone. The only time we read that he was alone is when he went up into the hills to pray. And even then, they were always trying to find him. Where is he? He was constantly surrounded by people. How did he keep it together? I don't know, but he did, obviously. But love by its very nature is always Outward focused, never inward. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16 that anyone who wants to save their life, who wants to keep our life, inward focused, will lose it. But anyone who loses his life outward focused to others, for him will save it. It's interesting, Jesus was surrounded by strangers even at his birth. There was no code reader at the door of the stable. There was no receptionist at a desk to determine if you were allowed to come in and see the new baby or not. He was surrounded by shepherds, and later by wise men. And interesting, as Roger read this morning in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds, after they had seen the angels, they went to the stable to see this thing that had happened. And then they went and they told everybody. So you can imagine everybody hearing this news. There was this massive rush to the stable. How many people stared at baby Jesus that day? We don't know, but he was surrounded by people. People. 
But sadly, most of us, myself included, tend to be like the disciples more than we are like Jesus. Seems the disciples were always telling people to go away. Just get, just leave us alone. Jesus is busy. He doesn't have time for you. And Jesus always responded with, let them come, bring them. This is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. The theme is love, if you haven't picked that up so far. And as we prepare to celebrate, to worship the birth of our Savior, our Savior in His birth, in His coming, the greatest gift that has ever been given, how can we show our love to Him in return? There are lots and lots of ways. So as we think of Christmas, as most are more consumed with what they will get than with what they have received, I want to leave you with a Christmas challenge. Just one thing. A practical way to show the love that we have received to others. In Acts chapter 1, we read the final recorded words of Jesus. Just before he ascended back into heaven, his disciples came to him and they were still looking for the restoration of Israel. They were still hoping that somehow Jesus was the one to bring the nation back to prominence. And Jesus told them that it wasn't for them to know when the Father had that planned. But, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he was gone. We all know the world out there needs to be reached with the gospel. But we are to start here in our own Jerusalem. We can't and we won't love out there if we don't love in here. It can't happen. So here's my challenge. Is there someone here in this place that you don't know very well? You know them by name, maybe. But you really haven't had a chance to get to know them. Invite them in or out for a meal. Or for a cup of coffee. Or for a walk in the park. You figure that out. How does God want us to show the love for one another in this place. It's important. We need each other. The world needed Jesus. We need Jesus. And if He is our example of reaching those outside of ourselves and our own families, if we don't, then we are not being faithful to what He has called us to. That's my challenge. 
I'll give you till Easter. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the wonderful gift that we have received. The Lord Jesus coming to this earth, God with us, Emmanuel, to free us from the sin that binds us. Father, we're selfish. I'm selfish. That has got to stop. So, Lord, as we think about Christmas tomorrow, we will celebrate with friends and family. Many of us will read the Christmas story, the coming of Jesus to this earth. That's where it starts, but that's not where it ends. I'm sure Mary and Joseph, their life was anything but always pleasant, being the mother and the human father of Jesus, and everybody wanting to see him and to know him, to spend time with him, even as a child. But Father, they were willing to give themselves because of what they had received. And so, Father, my challenge this morning to myself and to each of us is that we would do likewise. It's not easy. Sometimes it goes everything against the way we, we are. But, Father, it is important. Thank you. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus. Amen. And Merry Christmas.